If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. I'm kind of excited about this week's Legion Clubhouse, Matthew, because not only are we going to see the criminal demise of one Legion of Clubhouse member, mm-hmm. but we are also going to see the rise of a new member who is going to take down the entire team. <laughs> Evil. Adventure Comics number 316, The Renegade Superhero. Published January 1964, written by Edmund Hamilton with art by John Forte. Has Ultra Boy turned on his friends to become a space pirate? So, Adventure Comics 316 is one of the first stories I know that I remember from the Legion, but the first thing that strikes me when I open this issue... What a great splash page. Yeah, and it's really interesting, too, because in the last couple Adventure Comics issues specifically, that mm-hmm. splash page has been the cover page. Yeah. But that's not the case here. No, this is a really great shot. That's a John Fort shot of Ultra mm-hmm. Boy just wiping out the rest of the team, slapping down Monel and Bouncing Boy and, you know, other people who aren't idiots. Um, but wait a minute. Wait, such... wait, 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 wait. You said Bouncing yeah. Boy, not an idiot. Come on. No, no, I said Monel and Bouncing Boy and people who aren't idiots. Oh, okay. All right. Because I'm not at this point Mon <laughs> has kind of been a bag of hammers. Uh, he's uh, there. He's doing his thing. I mean, we'll find out later. He he brings joy to children, but uh we'll we'll talk yeah. about that in the next issue, but I I like <laughs> the I particularly like the cover image because the cover to me is much yeah. more dire because here you have Superboy and you have Lightning Lad who are trying to burn away uh, Jonah's uh, insignia yep. and he's like if you guys are going to be against me I'm going to be against you and I'm going to take you all down MFers and then he disappears in a puff of smoke yeah and it's a Kurt Swan cover too which mm-hmm. is lovely but yeah I wonder I, was I there ever I, I've got a I've got a question this is an important question okay was there ever some contract because uh, where it was required that Kurt Swan draw all Superman and Superboy images. I know there was a time where someone else, uh, Jack, was it Jack Kirby that was drawing Superman? And then uh, Neil Adams did. Oh, Neil Adams. Man in the late 60s. I don't know if it was a contract, but I know that if you, if you read, especially Mort Weisinger edited titles, mm-hmm. there are guys that he loves to see on the cover. Yeah. And Swan is one of those guys. Swan, well, Swan's a genius. But also, I think Kurt worked fast, mm. so you could have an idea and go, I have an idea for this concept, Kurt, rough it up, Kurt makes it, 
you have this whole thing and then you can hand it off to the writer and have him create the story based on whatever idea you have for the cover, which is, you know, the way they did it in the 60s. But yeah, well, I, the only reason I ask, because wasn't there a time where um, Swan was going in and replacing the heads on a bunch of, of Supermans in in other books? When Kirby took over the fourth world titles or created the fourth world titles, I should say, and took over Jimmy Olsen. Mm hmm. Kirby drew Superman in Jimmy Olsen, and yes, uh, it was either Swan or, um, oh God, the guy whose name escapes me now, who, yes, they did go in and they had them redraw all of the Superman heads on Jack Kirby's art because they didn't feel that Kirby Superman in 1971 looked Supermanly enough. Yeah, he kind of looked, uh, I don't want to say evil, but he had a menacing look to him, <laughs> which well, is still the cool. Same thing, they did the same thing with Super Friends. If you look at Super Friends. Yeah. It's a big logo that we know with mm -hmm. the six of them standing against it. The Alex Toth Super Friends, that Superman head has been redrawn as well. Yeah, that's that's really crazy. Well, so, it Superman is, I mean, he's the, the A-act. He's the top of the heap. He's the, the blamange, if you will. Yeah. And if you don't do Superman exactly the way editorial wants it, they'll get somebody who can, and they'll just cut and paste a new head. So one of my biggest problems with this issue, Matthew... Mm -hmm. is it feels like a giant clip show because at one point we get the entire, the entire backstory of uh, Jonah from Rimbor. Yeah, We get his whole origin story again. And then at yeah. some point, I'm pretty sure we also get uh, flashbacks to the um, uh, puppet planetoid and yeah. some other places as well. And it's just like, really? <laughs> it's interesting because it's clearly redrawn, but yeah, uh, the art here, Hamilton redrew panel for panel that same origin that we saw back in Superboy 98 mm -hmm. for, for Joe Nah, which I think is interesting. Yeah. I, I, clip show may be a little harsh, but I can definitely see what you're saying. I mean, this is the, the nature of the story is to call into question what do we know about this Ultra Boy cat because right. he's really actually, you know, an evil, evil guy. He's not Jonah from Rimbor at all. He's Ran Verrill. Yeah, he's an evil guy that has escaped from prison. And it, it's so there's a couple of things in this that are that are rather fascinating. First of all, we are retold his origin story only a moments later to find out that he is this mastermind criminal. And uh, there's also a, another criminal organization that's going around and stealing a bunch of sciencey science stuff. From right. all over the planet Earth, although I would think that there's more sciencey, sciencey stuff on other planets, but let's make Earth the, the focus of attention because that's where the Legion Clubhouse is. Well, sure, everybody reading the comic is from Earth. This is a this is kind of a big deal as far as you know. What do you do when someone in your organization? Well, first of all, in this case, he's a criminal. But what happens if someone has a different thought process than? everyone else in the organization? What if someone does something that may be against the organization's values? What mm -hmm. do you do with that person? And in this case, they, you know, they basically say, we are kicking you out of the organization and we are going to arrest you in the process and turn you over to cops because you're an escaped criminal. So right. while at the time it may seem like this is a cut and dried, oh, he's a criminal, we have to turn him in. Mm -hmm. Um, in today's society, we can look at this and we can see some very recent events where people might say, yeah, but he's actually done a lot of good for our organization. You think we right. really should kick him out and turn him over to the cops, which just so happens to be Phantom Girl's argument throughout this entire book. Yeah. And interestingly, two things that come up here, I think this is our first 
ever real focus on Phantom Girl. Oh, sure. Uh, ever since her first appearance. And even then she was, you know, she and Triplicate Girl were kind of like the the MacGuffins of that cute Supergirl story. Mm-hmm. But this also establishes the beginnings of the romance, the Phantom Girl Ultra Boy romance, which is the longest standing unbroken Legion romance. Even if, uh, you, if, if you assume the prote retcon, I guess I should say, which <laughs> I, I do. Well, what about the what about uh, Night Girl and um, Saturn, Saturn uh, Night Girl and Cosmic Boy? Cosmic Boy, yeah. Night Girl and Cosmic Boy actually don't get together until much, much later. I, I'm I'm curious because we are starting to see, especially with the the Night Girl a couple of episodes ago, and now with Phantom Girl and um, Ultra Boy, mm-hmm. we're really starting to see the creators, and in, in in this case uh, Hamilton, sit down yep. and say, "Oh, it's time to start shipping these uh, characters together, and uh, let's let's match them up." And at some point, we are going to see, and of course we see this in the next issue, we are going mm-hmm. to see people say, "Oh, we're going to need a lot more females." in this organization if every boy is supposed to have a girlfriend. Right. And that actually does happen. And I think that I'm perfectly fine with the romance. I think that the romance is one of the things that really appeals to me for a Legion story. This is 1964. Is that right? Yeah, this is 1964. So 1964 is past the point where romances as their own genre are really a, a widespread thing that you can find. You know, mm-hmm. you saw those a lot in the 50s. And, right. And DC had a few of them going into even the early 70s. But right. by folding the romance into the superhero stuff, first of all, it, it it's kind of brilliant because when you have 18 people in play, you have 18 superheroes. If you make Phantom Girl and Ultra Boy kind of a team... That means that they can act as one unit. They, as a couple, can act as one fewer hero for you as a writer to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. It It is kind of brilliant. But, yeah, it, it's really interesting to see that start happening and continue happening throughout the Silver Age. There are lots of little romances and even, you know, friend, pally pal friend things, you know. Up until this point, really, the only standout friendship has been Superboy and Monel, who were right. established as treating each other kind and, of like brothers. And Pete Ross and uh, Starboy. Yeah. There's a weird stuff going on in the background, but we're starting to see the Legionnaires individually pairing off or having relationships. And later on, we'll actually see them disliking each other, which... I kind of hate and also love at the same time. But. Well, so here's the interesting thing about having, and I don't really care if it's a romance, but I do like the fact that people are forming relationships because then, and I think this is what made the Legion of Superheroes last for as long as it did and be such a strong book in the DC lineup of, of titles that they were offering throughout the, the silver, the bronze and the modern age is mm-hmm. that you have real interactions between these this very diverse cast of characters and yes. you get to explore different things through their interactions. Batman and Robin can have as many conversations as they want, but ultimately Batman's going to say, I'm the boss. You're going right. to do what I say. And Robin's going to acquiesce and say, OK, Batman, you're in charge until one day. Dick finally says, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to be Nightwing. I'm um, a Nightwing now. But, you know, that's a long time later here. We're actually seeing. You know, Night Girl falling falling in love with um, Cosmic Boy. 
We have uh, Phantom Girl and Ultra Ultra Boy are like uh, getting kind of serious, and she's really pining away from him. That's the only thing I don't like about the romance angle in in the books uh, coming out during this period is because all of the women get this close up where they've got tears in their eyes and they're like, "Gasp! Does he love me? Oh no! What will happen to him? I must stalk him." To the ends of time. I mean, that's the the biggest thing that I have a problem with this because at no point, at least so far, mm-hmm. now next issue is a little bit different, but at no point do we ever see a guy go, oh man, I need to make, I need to do everything I can to make her notice me or I need to do everything I can to uh, right. make her my girl. And and that will change as we start to see uh, romances uh, blossom between uh, Bouncing Boy and Triplicate Girl and and some of the rest. But for right now, it's all, it seems very, very one-sided where the girls are pining and, and have this wish fulfillment Mm -hmm. for the boys, but it's not the other way around. And I know that if we are trying to be a very social, um, aggressive conversation in these comics, the boys are also going through as teenagers, going through these weird hormonal changes in their bodies and mm-hmm. the girls are too. And it's not just, it's not just the girls who have feelings and, and are confused about the opposite sex. Boys are doing the same thing, but they never really discuss it in these books. Yeah. The, the kind of weepy phantom girl here is not my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, part of that is the, the expectations of the time frame, 1964. Right. And, and again, that's yeah. The time frame. <laughs> the, 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 you know, that's some of that stuff that we've seen, where sometimes the gender roles come up and feel really antiquated. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you look at this in terms of, remember when you were a teenager, everything was the most intense feeling ever. And these problems totally mattered. And, you know, some of that, I'm 46 years old. Some of the people that I met in and around the time that I was Legion aged are still my friends now. Some of my closer friends now. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can't really say that, it isn't important that Phantom Girl and Ultra Boy are having their thing, but I agree with you. I dislike the manly man hero being heroic and then the girl quietly right. pining in the background. Bit. And so so the other thing about building the relationships in the books during this time is that and 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 kind of a point to the romance angle is you have to remember, listeners, that at this time period, there were just as many girls reading comics as there were boys. Yeah. And some maybe even, even more so. Same more. Yeah. 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 I think there have been some studies that have uh, shown that right around the time that um, Superman was selling that one million uh, mm-hmm. issue uh, copies per issue, that there were like 55 percent women reading comics to the 45 percent of men. So yep. one of the things that's nice about this is now the Legion of Superheroes becomes a book that is for boys and girls. And mm-hmm. then the girls can go, oh, there's romance in here. We got to read this. But again, boys who are, you know, weirding out about hormones right at, at this time, it would have been very nice for someone like a brainiac to go, oh, man, I'm so nervous around Supergirl all the time. My my, <laughs> my palms are clammy. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, my God. Oh, hello, Supergirl. Oh, my voice is cracked. Oh, my goodness. Uh-oh. I mean, just that, you know, just a little something there would be one of those things where the boys could look at it and go, oh, they're feeling the same thing I'm feeling as opposed to right. the girls who are like, oh, they're feeling the same thing I'm feeling. I mean, it's just, there's not a, a, a nice balance in that at this yeah. point. And that to it, me is a little disappointing because I think today 
we would probably see a little bit more of that going on. Yeah, it happens more at the end of the adventure era, transitioning into the 70s. Mm-hmm. In fact, the specific example you mentioned does come up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so sad. Supergirl. <laughs> I'm going to create a robot version of yeah, but you, that, but I'm going to romance her. It's but that comes like way later. comes like 1968, so it's only a few years uh, down the a, line. Okay, it's a few years down the line. But, but still. yeah. So I agree. going back to this, um, Monahel has convinced everyone on the Legion of Superheroes that he is a villain and he has escaped and, and fleeing because he's trying to convince these aliens that he is also a villain so that they mm-hmm. will rescue him. And he can then trick them into coming back to Earth where he can turn one of the Legion devices on them and right. uh, and stop them. So it's very clever and it's super well done. I like the gimmick in this. Uh, that uh, Ultra Boy can only use one of his powers at a time, and he uses his super speed to run into the uh, the um, punch card section of the space police to insert mm-hmm. his villainous uh, likeness in there. I love the fact that not only are they aliens, they're freaky, freaky Whitley Stryber aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the tentacles and everything, because these are some these are the weirdest aliens I think we've seen that aren't monster aliens. Because at, at one point we do see a triangular Illuminati beast in this issue. <laughs> yeah, there's an eye in, the, eye in the pyramid there. Yeah, we've seen the tornado beasts and the lightning beasts. We've seen a lot of monsters, but these are these are, you know, human esque. These are smart and evil kind of creatures, mm-hmm. but they are they're barely humanoid. And I really like how creepy and weird they are. Well, in fact, at one point, they actually there's a scientist that Mon- or uh, Ultra Boy discovers on mm-hmm. one of the planets where the scientist has transferred these um, bodies of, quote unquote, men into these monsters. And, you know, you've got, like you said, the, the eye in the pyramid, the Illuminati monster, you've got the, the Illuminati beast. C- there's C- a, a there. Yeah. Yeah. The, clearly a beholder there, as you said, um, some monsters, some creatures that remind me a lot of things that we would have seen in, in Star Trek comics a few years from now. Yeah. And you know, DC also had just a bunch of, strange adventures and you know weird futures and all sorts of wacky stuff these monsters these creatures would not be out of place in a 1957 adam strange story no Mm -mm. but here they're used so cleverly they're part of and i have to give him credit they are part of a flat-out genius batman gambit on the part of ultra boy he's not just manipulating his friends the entire legion of dunder superheroes He's manipulating the science police and the alien bad guys, and he's doing this almost instinctually. It's fascinating to see the level of brilliance that Ultra Boy gets in this issue because he he drives this whole plot, all of these terrible things oh, yeah. that happen. He brings this all around so that he can be in the right place at the right time down the line, and it's just it's amazing to see how smart Ultra Boy is and. This is one of the stories that make me mad when people treat Ultra Boy as just another musclehead. Mm, mm-hmm. Because Ultra Boy is not another musclehead. Ultra Boy is not like your smart guy in the lab with Brainiac and Saturn Girl. But Ultra Boy comes from Rimbor, and Ultra Boy is extremely shrewd and really good at maybe messing with people's heads and maybe being a teensy bit manipulative. Is is Ultra Boy the Batman of uh, this uh, Legion of Superheroes as Batman is to the Justice League where he knows yeah. how to take he knows how to take each of the members down because I mean he tricks uh, Saturn girl she's trying to read his mind to find out where he's going he's like oh I'm going to think about this planet and she's going to 
relay it to everyone else while I secretly go to another planet. He deduces Mm -hmm. that um, Chameleon Boy is using Prote as a weapon and it's not really going to fire. He, uh, he, you know, comes upon the scientist and says, oh, I can't help you, but Monel will be along in just a moment. And knowing that Monel would stop and help, he, Mm -hmm. he basically has a way of taking down each member of the, of the Legion of Superheroes. And I think he's probably maybe next to Brainiac, the most devious of the, the members of the Legion of Superheroes. 100% 100% agreed. Ultra Boy grew up on a backwater world where everybody has a scam and everybody has a side hustle. And he would never use the knowledge that he has. He would never use the ability that he has to figure out exactly what makes all of his friends tick and how to you know, pull their strings unless he had to. Right. But when he, when he does, it is amazing to behold there's a couple of other stories where we see this there's one in the volume four legion that is a retcon back to this time frame mm-hmm. that actually retcons um a whole lot of things leading up to the time trapper glorith reveal where we discover that ultra boy is playing a years long mind game with glorith just because he realized he saw something that no one else saw and he realized he's the only person who can do anything about it and it's really beautiful just to see that that cleverness. He's not like the smartest legionnaire, mm-hmm. but I will I will guarantee you that he is maybe the cleverest and the most resourceful. Yeah. And the fact that he he goes into head to head with Monel more than once in this issue mm-hmm. and gets away unscathed, even though he can't be super strong and invulnerable at the same time. Right. Yeah, I think maybe. Maybe having that one power at a time limitation has made him have to think a little more about what he does than the other super, super Kryptonian level legionnaires. So this issue has everything. It has love. It has romance. It has danger. It has action. It has uh, legion members turning on one another and it has evil, evil uh, aliens that are uh, pretty creepy. So this is a this is a good book, I think, if you're going to find individual issues. I think this is one that really stands out. I agree. This has got a gorgeous cover. It's got a story that's strong throughout. It's got the origins of one of the, I think, the best Legion romance, but definitely one of the best Legion romances, friendships, interactions. And it's got Ultra Boy being awesome. If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. You know what else this issue has that I love? What is that? The last four pages of the issue are the Mm -hmm. first time we see the little uh, thumbnail origins and powers of the Legion. Yes. Where we see each Legionnaire's superpower. We see Mm -hmm. them in action. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you know, as someone who scours the internet for images, yeah, a lot of times when you go and you look for a specific Legionnaire in images, these are what you find. Yeah, you see the little action shots of one Legionnaire in play, and it reminds us that there are twenty-two Legionnaires at this point in time, twenty-five mm-hmm. if you count the pets. Yeah, well, they're all gl- grouped together as as one one grouping. But yeah, it's well, got a it's got Jimmy Olsen and Elastic Lad in there, and uh, Element Lad and the Super Pets in there. What's yeah. also nice is in addition to those little thumbnail images, you also have back matter 
where it'll say like, hey, here's image uh, 19 of Supergirl. So you go over to the text mm-hmm. and it says Supergirl was born on Argo City, a chunk of Krypton, which was cast off into space, protected by an air bubble when the planet exploded. She has the yep. same powers as Superboy. And so right. it's really neat that it goes into this. And this is actually reproduced in the uh, first omnibus edition that we've been talking about uh, recently in the show uh, mm-hmm. of the Legion of Superheroes. And it is beautiful how they've, you know, taken away the grime of the original print and they've got, you know, new colors and everything in it. It looks really, really pretty. And they do give this a really nice, well-deserved section in that omnibus where you can look at these in a brighter color with cleaned up lines. It's just it's just gorgeous. The colors are redone so that uh, Brainiac 5's jumpsuit actually looks purple instead of maroon and triplicate girls costume is actually a deep purple instead of a light uh you know prune <laughs> color uh it's it's nice that they've done that and if, and again if you haven't picked up that omnibus edition it is fantastic because it has all of these issues that we're talking about on this show and uh definitely worth the price but yes this is a great primer for anyone yep. who is wanting just a real quick hey who are these guys and what are they about and what are their powers doesn't have to get anything else into it it just says Phantom Girl phases through yep. matter. Boom. Boom. There you go. You know, I, I make the joke over and over. You can't tell the players without a scorecard. This is the scorecard, and they knew it this early in mm-hmm. the run. Yeah. Unfortunately, Lightning lasts. Well, we'll get into that in the next issue. <laughs> Adventure Comics number 317, The Menace of Dream Girl. Published February 1964, written by Edmund Hamilton with art by John Forte. A beautiful new legionnaire conspires to dismantle the Legion. But why? Adventure Comics 317, we see the introduction of an all-new member to the League. Something that we haven't seen in quite some time, I want to say. I mean, we had the Jimmy Olsen thing and Element Lad was a while ago, several, several issues ago. But as we were talking about, if we're going to start getting more romance into these comics, we need to add some more females. And this issue introduces us to Dream Girl. The hero who makes stilettos work. (laughs) Yes, while she's wearing a bikini or a a full-piece swimsuit. You know what? She looks a little like Jane Mansfield. She's wearing a bathing suit with a big belt and stiletto heels, Mm -hmm. and her hair is held up by this really interesting little clippy thing. I I think that's called a beret. A beret. Whatever. A beret. A beret. A beret beret is a hat if you're French. I will say this. I've always said that Dream Girl is one of the simplest costumes, even in these Legion days, when sometimes people are just, you know, dressed up as a, a cowboy or a Christmas tree. Or a Christmas tree cowboy in the case of uh, Colossal Boy. But this this costume, just she walks in the door almost perfectly formed. And now, what, 50 years later, aside from adding a little bit of shine to it and turning the, the, the stilettos into stiletto boots, mm-hmm. it's the same uniform. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much the same suit. It's the same look. Yeah. Santa Girl, though, does realize at the beginning of this issue that they don't have enough members to go around. And it's time to... to um find out where everyone's at and whoever's not doing something important has to come back right away and start the voting process for new members. And it's really kind of creepy because matter eater lad and star boy are on this world that has been ravaged by a nuclear war. Although they call it an atom war. 
Yeah, post-apocalyptic wasteland where everyone has died. Thank you, Silver Age Legion, for depressing me. So you got to think, though, what's going on in this time period, right? We've got the Cuban Ooh. Missile Crisis uh, has yep. just basically uh, ended not too long ago, but still on everybody's minds. We have, uh, we have you know, duck and cover exercises going on in school. So, mm -hmm. you know, for... Uh, Starboy and, and Matter Eater Lad to show up on this planet and say, oh, what a ghastly sight. This civilization has been destroyed. Ah, if we weren't wearing these radiation suits, we'd all be dead. And, uh, and, and Matter Eater Lad's like, man, it's really glad that we're being called back into Saturn Girl because I'm so depressed. And then as yeah. they leave, they pan down and there's the Statue of Liberty and we have to go, wait a minute, that's you our planet. <laughs> you bastards. You killed Kenny. But in, in that no, one, just... in that one panel, we get this really weird, yeah. something that we have not seen. Now, we've seen civilizations that have turned into uh, silver statues. We've mm -hmm. seen civilizations that have just simply vanished. But we have not seen, to my knowledge, in the Legion of Superheroes, a civilization that has wiped itself out through an atom war. Yeah, and it is really, I mean, when you're dealing with future stories, there's always that question of how do we keep it relevant to now and still have it be futury. Mm -hmm. And this is the first kind of dark dystopian expectation of the Legion's shiny, shiny future. Yeah. And I kind of love it. I, I, I didn't think I would. And when I saw this, I'm like, what are, what are you doing? What's wrong with you people? But then I realized what they were doing. And of course it comes back around later, but I really kind of dig it. I love the, well, first of all, I love the fact that it's Starboy. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen Bupkiss from. I mean, we we have not seen Starboy uh, other than a headshot and last issue's uh, little vignette of him standing there having powers since his appearance in Superboy, where he was mm -hmm. competing for Lana Lang's attention. Mm -hmm. There's also another fascinating thing that happens in this issue and carries over for another couple of issues. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Superboy and Monel are traveling through the tr time stream. And they are trying yes. to get through something called the time barrier. The time trapper has blocked them from going more than 30 days into the future. And they're just like, they're bashing against this barrier and bashing against this barrier. But then they are called back. Yep. This is, is this the first time that the time trapper is mentioned in the Legion comics? It is. And it's, it's interesting because not only is that iron curtain of time unbreakable, they keep mentioning how it's, 30 days in the future, mm -hmm. 30 days in the future of this issue is the actual first appearance of the time trapper. Well, let me be a Matthew Peterson here. Okay. Well, if you go ahead and look in the next issue, it's not really the, you know, time trapper just appears in a single panel behind the iron curtain and There's he really isn't doing anything. But that's a first appearance, a cameo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's the equivalent of, you know, the first appearance of Wolverine is in, Hulk, in is that shot, yeah. Is in what? And then Hulk what 180. No, it's and actually then, in a advertisement from a couple of <laughs> of weeks before, a little black and white advertisement saying oh, coming okay. soon in uh, in comics and it's got that yeah, that picture of Wolverine. Well, and I don't think that I mean, when we talk about first appearances, are we talking about, you know, one little half panel at the bottom corner of a page? Does that count as a first appearance? Maybe is this it is in the story. Yeah, I mean, it's they're talking, but he does have he does nothing, but it's a cloaked figure. 
But that's the thing. I think that that you do have to draw a line somewhere. But for me, appearing in the story and being a cloaked figure going "ya ha ha" is a first appearance. Yeah. No, I'll I'll go but with that. But I mean, to just say that. Advertisement is. But to, to say that this is like. This know, like is the next, cool. the, the, no, to say that next issue is like this big time trapper story is kind of a bit of a, of a, a let on. Just, no, no, no. I said it's his first appearance. What is cool about this is that <laughs> Hamilton says, I'm just going to throw in this really weird thing about a time trapper and this steel curtain of time. And next issue, I'm going to pull the exact same thing. And we start to get this buildup of the time trapper, who is arguably one of, if not the greatest villain menace to the legion of superheroes yeah it's basically the time trapper mordrew and emerald at eye. least the at least the core three lsv members yeah yeah the the emerald eye as part of the fatal five yeah, the fatal I five think. i would put in there yeah but i would definitely say the time trapper is really the first Major, major, major threat. Because I don't think, you know, every like villain, and we'll get more as the Time Trapper starts to appear more and more in these issues. Mm -hmm. But so far, any villain that they, we have encountered in these books have always been little one-shot villains. Yep. Uh, some of them have come back uh, in the case of the um, uh, What's-His-Face who comes and terrorizes a triplicate girl in, in another volume. <laughs> but uh, this is one that, you know, this is the time tracker. This is a guy that is going to do everything in his power to mm -hmm. end the Legion of Superheroes. So much so, if I'm not mistaken, he actually creates a pocket universe of time for mm -hmm. a bunch of them to live in for a while. Later on, yes, he is actually responsible for after the Crisis on Infinite Earths rewrites the timeline mm -hmm. the time trapper actually protects the legion kids that he knows mm -hmm. so that he can still destroy them i know it's just freaking crazy that is so weird it's and also so crazy. what's really fascinating to me about this is this time trapper thing is we've seen continuity callbacks we've seen mm -hmm. things that go remember when xyz happened and prody died right this is the first time that they've really called attention to working forward to a little bit of playing around with the nature of what's happening what's coming later mm -hmm. a and, little you know, uh, preview of things to come exactly a little bit of foreshadowing which is an important literary technique and your key to quality literature um, yeah. But first, point, but before yes. we can get to that, let's get to some hubba hubba tongues a waggling. Hey, look at that new girl. She's a real dreamboat. Which is, again, I'm, I'm glad that they're adding in more female characters, but all the guys are just like falling all over themselves to hey. do everything they can for dream girl. You want, you want some Neptune nectar? If you know what I mean. How about I take you to the nine planets of ice cream? If you know what I mean. Yeah, it, it is kind of sad to see, you know, eight or nine boy legionnaires just tripping over their own drool. Yeah. Um, but interestingly and importantly, foremost amongst those legionnaires is Tom Keller, Starboy. Yeah. Who in this issue not only gets uh, his defining relationship in his uh tongue dragging for dream girl this is the first time we see him get his classic powers his mass shifting power mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Th before this you know remember he had the uh all of the full-scale kryptonian abilities right and it is a since superboy so this is another thing that's really important about this issue is mm -hmm. and i don't know 
if it was Hamilton or if it's someone else who has basically like, look, we are playing fast and loose with these Legion air rules uh, <laughs> for membership, all the Constitution and everything, because we have, if you read in the letters page, there are members, there are kids who are writing in and adults, too, that are writing in saying, hey, look, you can't have Lightning Lad and Lightning Last both be a member of the team because right. that violates the Constitution. You can't have you know, uh, star boy and super and Superboy all in the Legion at the same time, because they all have the exact same powers. And I think that at, at, at this issue, Hamilton says, okay, we're going to address this. We're also going to introduce a new character who has the ability when she dreams to mm-hmm. see a day or so into the future. Yep. And most importantly, I think that it, when they put it all together, this doesn't feel like a housekeeping issue that says, I have a checklist of things that I need to clear up. I need to create this character who can see the future so that we can talk about the time travel guy in the future. And I need to fix the lightning last problem. And I need to fix the Starboy problem. And, you know, I need to bring Starboy in because he existed, but then we haven't really been using him because we kind of forgot that he existed, it seemed. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. And we need to create another romance. And right yeah. away, of course, none of the girls like Dream Girl. They're like, oh, her powers are no good. And huh, yeah. you start to get some real jealousy maybe going on. Well, not maybe going on, <laughs> literally going Definitely on. Definitely going on. Some, because some when cattiness, it, yeah. Yeah, so they put her to a test or, and she passes. And when it comes time for a vote, all of the men say yes. All of the women say no. And they're like, well, according to the in bold Legion Constitution, and that's really important, uh, kind of a foreshadow of what's to come, th- she's in. She is a member. And she's immediately in. she starts to use the Constitution against the members of the Legion of Superheroes. She suddenly becomes super, super catty, and she starts using uh, subclauses and other things in the Constitution to start mm-hmm. removing uh, members one by one. Yep. H- here's the thing. The planet that she is from, n- n- uh, was it? Na- Naltor. Naltor? Naltor. Naltor. Mm-hmm. That's a planet of super scientists. So not only is she super, super beautiful, She's yep. super, super smart. Yeah. She and she is, has the ability to see the future. Yeah. There, there's actually a story down the line that at one point, four Legionnaires are, are trying to figure out why they're the only ones who aren't affected by uh, a villain's universal hypno ray. Uh-huh. And Brainiac 5 is like, well, clearly we're the four smartest Legionnaires. And it's him, Saturn Girl, Chameleon Boy, and Dream Girl. Yeah. And the four of them are just like, oh, well, the four of us now have to figure out how to save the universe with, you know, from Monel and Ultra Boy and Superboy. But yeah, I, I like the fact that they don't fall back on having her be a super beautiful airhead. Yes, which, you know, I have seen other depictions of her, which yeah. at times have come off that way. And that's really not the case. And and everyone is, is suddenly going, why is she suddenly turned into this horrible person? And she's just like, nope, you're out. You're out. Your powers don't work anymore. Lightning lasts. So yep. you're gone. Cosmic boy, don't talk to me. All these, uh, you know, bouncing boy and shrinking violet and, and ultra boy and lightning lad have all been turned into children. Therefore, they're too young. They can't use yep. their abilities. They're gone. I mean, she gets everyone out of the Legion. Yep. Matter Eater Lad makes a false accusation against a team member. Mm-hmm. Triplicate Girl is court martialed. I can't remember why Triplicate Girl is court martialed. Because she also her. she did the same thing as Matter Eater Lad. She made an accusation, she? and she's like, oh, you have accused me of this, and it says here in this law, anyone who accuses another member of falsely doing this 
is automatically ejected. So she's using these laws. And for someone who wants yep. to go in and really wants to know what some of these uh, laws are in the Legion Constitution, this is a great issue to to reference because it's got a lot of them in there. Mm-hmm. And then it also turns into an issue that this story's been done before. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it does have, I think, probably my favorite Legion gimmick in it. Which, which is? is think it turned into babies and they am weisinger babies so they am talk like weisinger children me want to play ball play with me me play I, with you i make me mud pie ball. i make mud pie yeah bouncing boy turns into a ball to make yeah. little children happy but this idea that and i forget which issue it was i think wasn't it the one that had the introduction of element lad or one of these where or it was saturn girl where the thing came down and said all the legionnaires are going to die and yes. you have to figure out ways. That, oh, yeah. And so the uh, Saturn girl became president and then she kicked everybody right. out of the organization. The exact and same thing is died anyway. Yeah. This exact same thing is going on here where Saturn or a dream girl has had this vision that all the Legionnaires are going to die. And so she thinks that if I can become a member and then get them all kicked out of the Legion, I can change the future. And we find right. out she really can't change the future because these Legion members do die. But they were just lifeless Android doubles that she saw. It was all part of their uh, their constitutionally mandated Legion uh, testing outfit. It's uh, they basically use it to confuse space criminals who might want to kill them. <laughs> it's kind of like those. Uh, have you ever seen those uh, police cars where they put the dummy yes. inside so you think that it's a, a police officer uh, tracking you down, and so everybody slows down and doesn't There's do anything. Actually- this is exactly like that. There's a small town near Salina where the entire police force consists of a billboard. Behind the trees when you come over a hill painted like a police car. Oh, that's funny. That, that is funny. literally the police department for the city, and it's it's beautiful. And the fact that the Legion in the year 3964 or 2964 uses those same tactics is beautiful. Yeah. You know, so, you know what else I find beautiful? What's that? I have complained in the past about the about a John Fort's figure work and how stiff it is sometimes yeah, and how yeah. characters, you know, his action sequences aren't necessarily really well plotted. The facial expressions in this issue are top notch. Oh yeah. When you see, when you see Starboy gazing yeah. longingly at dream girl and she's just mm-hmm. kind of giving the, him this little, you know, smile and a wink kind of flirtatious look back. It's masterful. Yeah. And the expressions, there's a a couple of pages where Dream Girl goes from being shocked about her dream to being untrustworthy of Triplicate Girl to suddenly looking like she has a secret because she's, you know, being all secretive. Mm -hmm. Three panels in a row, same face, clearly the same character, but such a wide range of emotion. Yeah. And you can look at this and go, you know, I can forgive for it the occasional stiff figure when you have that kind of facial expression. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I still can't forgive uh, Bouncing Boy's haircut, but. <laughs> so they've cleared up the whole Constitution thing. Uh, they've gotten a reason why Dream Girl can be around. Everyone has forgiven her except for Lightning Lass, who's like, mm. look, I still don't have any powers and I'm still out of the league. And Dream Girl's like, uh-uh, remember, I'm smarter than you. When that uh, when that electrical thing uh, exploded, it didn't get rid of your powers. It just changed them. Try lifting up the clubhouse. And we find out that. (laughs) So lightning last goes over and she, uh, she picks up the the clubhouse with ease because now her new power isn't lightning, but it is the ability to make something light for a limited amount of time. So therefore her new name shall be light lass. Exactly. And it's, it's clever 
and it's cute and you kind of appreciate the thought process of that because yeah lightning to light less is really kind of neat and also in this issue you remember we we solidified that starboy can make things heavier and increase their mass mm-hmm. we don't have he doesn't have the ability to do it himself so we have now light last Starboy and light last can do the old one too and make things super heavy and super light all at the same time. Yep. It's really well constructed. And again, this story comes together and when you read it, you don't think, Oh my God, here's all the, here's the checklist of things that he wanted to get in here and make sure got done in this story for housekeeping purposes. But that's clearly what happened. There were clearly several things that had to be dealt with. And also give us this rollicking adventure story where the Legion might die. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fascinating to see how well they pulled that off. Well, there's a lot to cover in this issue. And while this is not, in my opinion, a great story, mm-hmm. um, I, I really think that uh, 316 is a better issue than this one. In this issue, we get a new Legion member who's an attractive female. Right. Who's also very smart. We get right. a ton of Legion constitution and bylaws stuff that's very important. And we clear up some issues with membership in that everyone can only have one power. So this book has a lot more going for it than just a a, a kind of a rehash story. So I think it's still really important. But of the two, this one is not as strong, I think, personally, as issue 316. I feel like 316 is a better story. You're absolutely right. This is one of those issues that is historically important. And this one will actually cost you more than 316, which is kind of a shame, too. <laughs> but, yeah, well, you know, it's got a couple of first appearances in it. Yes. It's also got some important, you know, Legion changes. It's mm-hmm. one of those issues that's full and just full to the brimming with stuff. Noteworthy, at the end of the issue, Dream Girl is not a member. So she was in and then she's out and she leaves. But. When you're a, you know, a Legion nerd like I am and like you are to a lesser degree, you have to ask yourself when you're saying you're going through your list of who joined when, is this Dream Girl's official joining date or is the weirdness of it such that she doesn't well, get an official date until she joins later on down the line? If we're going to argue that a single uh, half panel appearance is the first mm-hmm. appearance of the Time Trapper, then I, we have to almost say that this is her Dream first, Girl's joining story. This is her, her joining story. And she's getting interrupted, and then she comes back in in three three fifty or whatever it is. Oh wow, oh, that I, that long? I don't remember if it's three fifty exactly. I think she doesn't come back until after Starboy is fired, and then they both come back together. And I want to say that's Adventure three fifty. Wow, that is a long time from now. I'm, I'm I can't wait to read the letters columns in coming issues because I'm sure so many people are going to be like, "Bring back Dream Girl." Bring back Dream Girl, Bobby from, you know, Savannah. Please, please bring back Dream Girl, Joey from Michigan. Uh, Please, please bring back Dream Girl, uh, Sam from Kalamazoo. Eh, Dream Girl wasn't that great. I'm glad she's gone. Susie from New York. (laughs) We've come to the end of another Legion Clubhouse episode, Matthew. And what have we learned this week? We've learned that even if you're beautiful, you have to be smart as a whip. I think we've also learned that uh, bylaws and constitutions and how things are written down can be very specific if you're trying to get rid of your enemies. Mm. 
And we also learned that just because somebody doesn't seem like they're the most intelligent guy in the room doesn't mean that you shouldn't give them a wide berth if they start acting weird. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Next time on the Legion Clubhouse, we're going to see an appearance of, boy, someone who probably shouldn't be appearing in a comic book around this time. And we're also going to take another look at the Time Trapper. That's coming up in a future installment of the Legion Clubhouse. But until then, we're adjourning this week's meeting. So until next time, I'm I Can't Believe It's Not Butter Boy. And I'm Last Last Lad. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.